let's talk about the uh you know what whatever's going to go down next weekend ufc 270 uh going down from anaheim and i'll say this it's it's tough to call this because we're you know seven days out but there's a couple factors here that i think that people aren't considering at all here one covid is is rampant they haven't had a sanctioned event in california during covid this whole time so this will be the first time that that happens for the ufc at least bellator did do it but the ufc hasn't done it and the ufc the calif uh the california state athletic commission is notoriously just more strict on all of this stuff uh than any other state so we'll probably see um a fight pullouts or fight you know tentative cancellations because of you know unclear tests like i can definitely see that happening and then another thing is there's a giant uh uh volcano that erupted in the middle of the south pacific like a huge volcano that's going to interrupt uh travel uh i i don't know if if everybody has come in for this fight as far as uh whatever international fighters are on this card so that plus covid plus just general you know you know everyday nonsense uh i i think we can We're talk about pulled out already you know yeah i mean i i just i feel like this is one of those things with the what i like to do on this show has been like do the look ahead but this we're in this weird little climate where like we, you know we already talked about moreno figueredo we already talked about francis nagano and cyril Gan. i mean un like just the crazy storylines for those fights alone is just nuts but it's just <laughs> this whole card i feel like we have to play it by day this is going to be I, I i feel like what we see it coming up right now versus what it's going to be next week is going to be very different and with that said uh do you guys have any spots that you that you like per se liam um yeah so uh i only have one bet locked in and to be honest with you the closer we get to fight time you know um the less confident I feel in it, but basically one of the strategies I take to betting is that I try and look at lines and predict which lines are going to move because that gives yeah. me options. If I then change my mind, I can try and arb out at a better price on the other side. Um, so that's something that I try and do. Um, and I, I felt like there was going to be steam uh, from the public coming in on the side of Brandon Moreno here uh, because there was a draw in the first fight. He wins the second fight pretty decisively. So again, for recency bias, um, and everything else, you'd think uh, the champion would be favored, uh, you know, in the rematch here. But we have seen that, um, you know, pretty wholesale lifestyle changes from Figueredo. Looks like he's got a different body coming into this fight. You know, take that for whatever it's worth. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I might be interested in middling out um, if this price uh, hits like plus 165, plus 170 uh, on the Figueredo side. Then I'm sitting there, you know, halfway to being a bookmaker. Uh, that's fine by me. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to play this one out. I'm going to revisit the tape here, but yeah, I basically just thought I'd get an early price and I hit minus 162 minus 167 right now is the best market price. So, um, you know, we'll see how that line moves. Yeah. I'm just looking at this fight card. 
this is this is quite an interesting scenario that's breaking down here. Uh, Lucky Locks, do you have anything on this looking ahead that you think is interesting? Um, yeah, I actually have three plays uh, on this card. I have a small stab quarter unit on Cyril Gone unanimous decision at plus 550. Um, I have a shot on uh, Wellington Terman and Rodolfo Vieira over one and a half at minus 105. And I also have a half unit play on Wellington Terman in that fight at a plus 225. Yeah, like that's that's an interesting fight. I, that's the headliner prelim right now is Randolfo Vieira and Wellington Terman. And uh, yeah, this card, Cody Stamen and Sayad Nurmagomedov. That's another one. That'll be interesting. That's up in the air. I, I don't know if it's up in the air, but I'm just saying that's one of those fights that I could see not <laughs> being the same fight that it is you know, a week from now that it is today. And then there's uh, with Ilya Tabura and Charles Jordan. That's an awesome fight. That's, I, I, I mean, just to, you know, like to rapid fire handicap that fight, Ilya Tabura and Charles Jordan. I feel like that's that just based on, on the top of my head, the featherweight division goes over like a crazy amount like 70 percent of the time i feel like this fight just with the the wrestling of tapura and i i feel like this fight is kind of it's uh it seems like it's going to go the distance and if there's a decent price on an over two and a half or a fight goes the distance even in that like minus 145 or better range i think that's a solid solid look uh liam what do you think about that 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 could make sense to me. I'd have to revisit the tape on the uh, Jordan grappling, though. I know he's a black belt, but you know there's levels to being a black belt as well. I think Tapur is a, a handful on the ground, especially early. Um, and Jordan is scrappy, but you know we've seen him, you know, look his best on the feet. I did, uh, you know, fan him in a few of his fights. I think he's been a little bit overvalued at times by the market. Then they made me eat my words on Andre Ewell. He looked like he was minus, you know, fifty thousand in that fight. Um, but I'm interested to see how he does in this fight on short notice. Ilya Taboria, um, dangerous guy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I the thing Charles Jordan is coming off that that pretty awesome performance. Uh, what was that like a couple weeks ago? And yeah, I'm with the way that the odds are now though. Tapura is lined at minus 400 and Jordan at plus 400, but. Over one and a half rounds, minus one fifty. That seems a that seems a little bit like easy money to me, in my opinion. Like, like if based on that, if the over one and a half rounds right now is at minus one fifty five, I feel like at some point you might be able to get like fight starts round two at like minus one seventy five, and I I think that that's good value because everyone's gonna think that this is one of those spots. Where everyone thinks is going to think that Topura is going to run over Jordan. Not everybody, but you know the people that that aren't uh, full-time MMA betters or the casuals, let's say they're uh, they're going to look at this matchup and think that Topura is going to run over Jordan, and he might do it quickly. And those are always one of those spots where Jordan's pretty capable, especially early on. I think that he's going to be able to at least last to the second round. Uh, but honestly, beyond that, like, let's just, uh, I, we got to re just revisit the, the main event. 
I mean, as far as just the storyline in the main event, uh, I I want to see Francis Nagano win. I think that that would just put a crazy wrench in the the this whole uh, saga that's been the heavyweight division. And do I think it's going to happen? No. I feel like they're kind of bargaining this Tyson Fury fight right now for Francis Nagano to stay with the UFC in case he loses or in case he wins. I have no idea what's going on. But like if Nagano wins this fight, it's going to change the landscape of the UFC. If Gon wins this fight, it, I feel like it's going to keep the landscape in the direction that it's going. As far as handicapping goes, I think Gon's going to win this fight pretty easily uh just kind of like a a weird insight that i had i don't even know what this is but i saw this like viral video going around of these two uh like i guess they're mma twitter personalities like having a like a uh like an, a boxing match in a park have you guys seen this do you guys know I what i'm talking seen, about i haven't seen that sounds funny though it's it's just I, it's two kids who are like I think one of them kind of knows how to box and the other one just looks like that. If he hit the other kid, he probably hurt him very badly. And it's just like a, they're taping this event, this, you know, 15 minute three round fight. And it's mostly just a staring contest with like a couple, it's just a, you know, fun sparring, but with nobody really wanted to take chances. And I feel like that's what the, the, the first like two rounds of, this fight is going to be is it's just going to be a dreadful dreadful stalemate like remember when Cyril Gaon fought uh Volkov and Dana White walked out of the 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 fight before the fight was even over that's I feel like that's how bad this fight is going to be as far as just a staring contest and uh I think overs in this one what what do you think about that one Locks? Yeah, I don't mind. Oh, uh, I think the over one and a half is like minus 163 or something like that. I think I saw that on Betway. Um, I don't think that's bad. Obviously, I have the uh, the small stab on Gon unanimous decision. Um, yeah, like I could see uh, Gon just staying out, of, staying out of range early and kind of just working him from the outside. Um, lots of money coming in on Gon right now. I don't know if I'd really feel comfortable on the money line there, but if he does win, I feel like he probably does look like a pretty big favorite. Um, I'm interested to see what the lines are going to look like on uh, like the round grouping props, like in Ganu by KO in round one, two, and three, or like gone to win in four or five or decision. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm still leaning gone from a straight prediction standpoint, 25 minutes not to get knocked dead. Easier said than done. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But yeah, straight up prediction wise, I like zero gone to win this. Yeah, I notoriously have a really bad habit of trying to like middle these type of like high level heavyweight fights to say like, okay, the, you know, Gon's going to either win by decision or Nagano is going to knock him out and I get pl plus money on both sides. And then what ends up happening is like, I tried to do that with uh, Yawn versus um, Adesanya. And I was like, there's no way Yawn's winning this fight by decision. That's not happening. And that's what happened. So I'm not going to do that here. Uh, do Would I be absolutely godsmacked if Francis Nagano won this fight by decision, especially right now with all of the implications going on? Yes, I would be completely shocked if Francis Nagano won this fight somehow by a five-round decision. 
that would be a reality that I can't say that I, I can see happening, but I've, I've said that before on this on this YouTube channel and I've been wrong. So I'm not going to say it again. So besides that, I feel like this fight card next week is a conundrum. And like, besides these two fights, like I really hope, you know, Roy Val is a backup. <laughs> I, are they going to have a backup for Francis Nagan? Like if, if, yeah, this is this will be a very interesting week. And... Yeah, Parker Porter, dude. They've got him standing at the <laughs> UFC headquarters right now, dude. <laughs> Ready to hit the ground running. Uh, I, I don't even mean to laugh. I actually, I, Parker, I've made money betting on Parker Porter. He's awesome because the, he's one of those guys that I talked about where, like, you know, people think he sucks and that he's going to get knocked out quickly, and then he ends up winning by decision. Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> didn't he fight John Jones? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, yes he, did. he did. And uh, I mean, as far as the heavy, the backup for that fight, I there won't be one, I don't think, or maybe what Derek Lewis? They're going to bring Derek Lewis in last minute, like that would be a kind of a yeah. I mean, I guess they could for a three round fight. He'll do it <laughs> for non title, non title fight. No, no, no. Three-round title fight. He specified. He wants it, you know, just little modified rules. That's all. I think heavyweight title fights should be three rounds. Fuck it. Let's get the best out of these guys. Or No, five rounds, five three-minute rounds. That works, too. Rock and roll. With, yeah, give with, them a little bit of rest so we get a With the extra in. time, the extra time is, is, is there. It's just they don't, they're not fighting. Like the two minutes that I'm taking away is there. It's, they're just not fighting. That would be – see, we need to do more of that. Like that one X that's happening. I'm going on a complete tangent here. But like that one X that's happening, like uh, Mighty Mouse is fighting that mixed uh, mixed cage fighting rules. with. Oh, yeah, against that, Rod oh, Tang. Yeah, against Rod Tang. That's going to be so dope. Yeah. Good luck. It, yeah, so that's the state of uh, – the UFC right now, like beyond that, we got a whole bunch of prospective fights that we don't know. Do you guys have any last words before we wrap it up here as far as the look ahead on UFC 270? Yeah, dude, I will just add on the Nganu and uh, Gan fight. Um, you know, one of the analysts I really respect, my man Sean Orr, told me, you know, Gan is going to win this fight, Liam. Don't bet Francis. Like, uh, you just be wasting your money. And uh, so I'm going to take that opinion seriously and, and do the tape study again and, and look back into it. But um, in a fight at heavyweight where there's a lot of uh, chance for a knockout, you know, we saw it with a fight that everybody assumed was going to go to decision tonight. It ends like instantly. Both guys get completely rocked backwards, uh, you know, early. I think Gon has good distance management. I think that, you know, broadly speaking, he does a really good job uh, managing the range. He uses the teep kick. That was Sean's you know, the crux of his argument. It's like, it's longer than a jab. He can keep you far away. Uh, and I think all of that makes sense. But we saw Francis Ngannou uh, fight with complete, like zero technique and knock Jairzinho Rosenstrike through like a portal. Like that was no technique. That was just the, and he fights Stipe, right? And uh, when he fought Stipe the first fight, we see that Stipe is like, getting hit with punches from Ngannou with his mouth open like this. And, and he's still getting Pez dispenser backwards, like stumbling across the cage and shooting desperation takedowns. And 
I say that as a huge fan of Stipe. I bet on Stipe the first fight and Ganu the second fight uh, because I, I had a feeling that it, it wasn't going to come to pass twice. And I thought, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of confidence on the Sorogan side here. And against somebody as dangerous, a puncher as Francis Ngannou, that's really troubling to me. You know, I look on the Bet MMA page, every bet is on Sorogan. You know, there's like three people on Francis Ngannou. That's a red flag for me. You know, and I don't give a fuck about what's going on outside of the cage, uh, largely speaking, when I try and handicap the fights. Because uh, so many things are said uh, that don't come to pass. You know, uh, Roy Val said, I'm going to fight more reserved. Three minutes into the fight, he's like, oh, F all that. I'm going forward. You know, it's like, that's just how fighting is. It's chaotic. It, people revert back to what's natural. And I think, you know, Surreal might have this confidence about him because like, yeah, Francis doesn't try and take your head off in the sparring room. But I do think like when Francis is swinging that hammer, he can knock anybody's head off. It doesn't matter who you are or if you're better or anything else. So I think he showed in the second Stipe fight, his wrestling has improved. Um, so whether or not he could do that for five rounds, it's like if he can keep this upright for 15 minutes, I think he's dangerous at least for that amount of time. And, you know, all it takes is one mistake at heavyweight for you to be snoring, even if you're really good at fighting. And Cyril Gunn, what is this, nine, ten fights as a pro? You know, 11 fights as a pro. And he's going to take on Francis Ngannou for all the marbles. UFC is like backing him as their pony and he's the favorite. Like, that's a lot of fucking pressure. And you're representing your coach who's fighting his former guy, who everything's on the line. It's like, yeah, no, nobody's ever folded under that pressure before. Yeah, but you didn't, you didn't even explain half of the implications when you just said, you know, like, like this is what, what like, for me as a, as a better, like, um, the gain that I would have of betting Francis Naganu personally and financially does not equal to the gain that I would get non-monetary to see him win in this matchup and just give the F you to the UFC and Dana White. And who knows what happens at that point? Because, you know, Francis Ngannou has already said he's not re-signing for the money that he's he's going to make, like, currently. So I would I like to see that? Yeah, I would like to see that a lot, <laughs> you know? Uh, would I like to win money betting on the other side? Yeah, sure. So the it's, I just have to weigh... It, I, I, I'm not going to bet on Naganu. It's either I'm either going to bet on Gone or nothing here. And uh, there's just too much non-monetary gain as far as just someone who, outside of just you know covering it from a betting perspective, just covering it from a storyline perspective, like just the the wrench and just the tangent timeline that this is going to put the UFC on if Francis Naganu wins this fight versus if he loses. It's just, it's just crazy, and it's just crazy that this fight is happening in Anaheim. Oh, there's just so much. This is a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. Just an absolute train wreck. This card is an absolute train wreck waiting to happen. So, I guess with that, it we can say, are we? I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here this time, this time next Saturday. So. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be who even knows if it'll be gone in Nuganu fight that fight. <laughs> uh, who knows is right. But all I'll say is this, Al Mac. I could see, you know, what's to say that 
you know, Gan gets hurt two or three times in this fight and it costs him rounds. Like he could win four minutes of a round against Nganu, get clipped with a punch, and then he loses the round. You know, I, that's the other thing I would say is like, I, I don't think it's the most likely outcome. You know, Nganu by decision is like probably not, you know, uh, a 50% outcome. Obviously, it's like, but where is it? I, I don't think it's a 0% outcome either. Like, I, I could definitely see a, 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 you know, a number of paths to gone, um, you know, losing these early rounds to Francis based on the power differential. Naganu by decision right now is 13 to 1. And to me, that's not, a, that wouldn't be enough value. I would honestly want like 20 to bet that just because of how unlikely I think that that is to happen. But you have just made a great case for it to happen. And yeah, I, I rarely am like, I'm not touching this one from multiple sides because I love to like get in on both sides of a number on fights. This, this whole card seems like, and just to close before, like the, the co-main event, the co-main event is, is going to, the trilogy of this flyweight fight is absolutely awesome. Uh, Devison Figueredo is, you know, uh, just an absolute destroyer and taking on the assassin baby. This is going to be a, a, an awesome fight. But the thing about this fight is we can't really break this down until we see both these guys healthy on the scales because we've seen Figueredo multiple times miss weight or have, have health problems, uh, not look good. Last time he had to take like the extra uh, 30 minutes and just look completely sucked out coming in uh, for the, the the rematch that he lost. And then we know everything that happened with the, the first fight, uh, the draw, and, you know, where he had, like, uh, rehydration poisoning and the fight was almost not going to happen. Um, so I feel like there is a case to be made for Devison Figueredo at plus money. But you just – it's not uh, – you got to look – you. You have to play it by the day, and you just got to keep looking and measuring the expectations because I I just see I know that he's looked awesome. He's looked like completely different. But who's how? Like I don't know. There's just so many. There's so many unknowns. Ugh, that's a tough fight to break down. <laughs> like I've gone I've gone complete full circle where I was just like, yeah, no, it's it's Moreno all day. But now I'm really starting to think that. There might be some value on Figueredo, but you're kind of betting into a lot of uncertainty. So it's you. You got to just like manage expectations and bankroll management. I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've, I'm completely talking myself out of this fight. Uh, Locks, do you have any thoughts on the Moreno Figueredo fight? Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Like Figueredo opens minus two seventy five the first time and closes north of minus three twenty, and I thought he won that fight. Um, next fight, he opens up at minus 240, closes around there. The line tightened up a little bit, but not much. And now he's plus 150 in this one after, you know, let's be real. It was a bad performance last time, but I still think it's a maybe a little bit of an overreaction. I mean, I'm kind of with you there. I think there is a little bit of value on Davidson Figueredo, but you hit the nail on the head with the uncertainty. It's just like, I mean, last time we talked about this, I was saying, I think that on his best day, Figueredo beats anybody at 125, but how many more of those best days are they're going to be at this weight class? So it's, it's all going to come down to how healthy he is and uh, how good the weight cut is. And 
that's really the big uncertainty there. And then that's the big unknown when you, when you're trying to break this one down, but yeah, at plus plus one I'm, I'm starting to think pretty hard about uh, Davidson Figueredo here. Yeah. Liam, I know that you, you, you touched on it. What, what do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I think um, broadly speaking, um, getting this kind of plus money figure uh, on the former champion is not a terrible look. Um, he's been competitive with this guy. Uh, we know that he could hurt him at his best. Uh, but, you know, the question is, I think Locke's hitting the nail on the head when he's talking about the timing of this fight. You know, it's like uh, timing is everything. And Davison was at the peak of his powers the first time when they fought to the draw. You know, then he was a little bit diminished. He gets completely outclassed. Now he's changed his whole life to try and uh, close the gap here again. And that's possible. But, you know, I don't want to think that Brandon Moreno, what has he just been uh, drinking soda pop and like hanging out on the couch? Like, no, he's probably been training too. So uh, I think he's probably getting better as well. You know, I think it would take, um, you know, a pretty monumental effort here and, and everything going right physically. Um, so I think Wayans is going to be critical here. Wayans yeah. uh, could probably shift the line tremendously, you know, and I honestly, this is the other thing, you know, Al Mack was talking about, um, you know, circumstances that causes fights not to happen and, and knock on wood here. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, it's, it's possible that we see, uh, you know, Figueredo miss weight. You know, I think he, he's very close to it right now. But all it takes is like one little uh, problem in the water load, the this, the whatever, uh, and you could fuck something like that up, especially with somebody whose weight is so sensitive. Um, oh, yeah. So oh, that, that's yeah. just something I'm concerned about. Yeah, with so many medical incidents uh, related to the weight cuts. But I think, I mean, he's approached this professionally um, and probably with medical intervention, you know. Yeah, but he has also botched it a couple of times, you know, like with his own professional advice, like, you know, people who claim to be professionals advising yeah. him have also botched this uh, operation. Uh, one thing that I will say that I, I feel that we're kind of not just to, like to be the devil's advocate, we're kind of just not mentioning that, you know, Moreno has reached like the precipice of his, you know, he fought so hard to get to this climax. Now he is champion. You know, it reminds me of like Andy Ruiz, Andy Ruiz Jr., where it's like, you know, he he beat Anthony Joshua, became the heavyweight champion, the first Mexican heavyweight champion, and then he goes in there in the rematch and just absolutely lays an egg. And I'm not saying that that Moreno is going to do that. It's just one of those things where it's like everyone's focusing on the storyline with Figueredo, but there needs to be some, you know, credence to the storyline of like Moreno has reached the apex of his goal and now he needs to defend it. It's not always as easy to do that, especially when you're coming off the fruits of your labor, you know, like it's, uh, and now you're talking about a guy in Figueredo who might be more motivated. I hate talking about motivation in MMA fights so much, but it's uh, this is one of those fights where it's so much outside of the, you know, just the realm of skill. It's these non-tangible factors, and that's what this fight basically breaks down to. And honestly, these two fights are the only two fights that I can really say that I'm going to spend a whole lot of time breaking down because the other ones – uh, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. This card is going to be pretty fluid. So, yeah. Uh, 